Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back again this week to the program and thank you for joining us every week at the same time. We have been in a series that I believe ought to be a real blessing to you. We have finished five uh, of the sayings of Jesus in John where he said, I am. We, we, we did, I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. Today we're going to deal with I am the way, the truth, and the life. That's all in one statement. But what we're going to do with this one is we're going to set the stage for where he says this, and uh, uh, we're just going to begin to unpack this, and, and I believe it'll be a blessing to you. Let me just say quickly again, though, I, I like to share this every time we come on, and that is that if you've missed any of these programs, uh, we have archived everything that we have aired to date on YouTube so that you can watch them on demand at your leisure. And we have also made the audio portions of this available to you as well, uh, both on iTunes and on an RSS feed for your Android device. The easiest way to do any of this is to simply go to my website and in the upper right hand corner there is an icon that you can click on that will take you directly to our uh, YouTube page. It's a picture of a YouTube and you can go to our YouTube page that way. There's a little uh, iTunes icon that you can tap on that. It will take as a direct link to our uh, podcast and then there's a little Android looking robot thing. If you touch it, it will take you directly to that. Gives you a lot of ways to be able to get the word. If you can't sit down and watch it, you can listen to us on audio uh, while you're mowing your lawn or you're driving to work in your car and you're redeeming the time. Today we're going to start talking about I am the way, the truth, and the life. Now what we showed you before is the contrast was always you thought this was the way in or you thought this was the bread. Let me just go back and say this. When Jesus brought them out into the wilderness and He was about to feed the 5,000, when they sat down on the grass and Jesus began to feed the multitudes, He said to them, Your fathers ate manna in the wilderness and they're dead, but I am the true bread that came down from heaven. In other words, you thought that was the bread, but I'm the true bread. You thought the law of Moses was the light that lightens, but that was not the light. I'm the light of the world. You thought that the, you, you thought uh, for instance, that the door was through your performance-based Christianity, but I'm the door. You thought those polluted shepherds of Isaiah talked about were the true shepherds of Israel, but I am the good shepherd, and my sheep know my voice. In other words, he would always contrast it with, you thought that was it, but that's not it, I am. In other words, he was showing them that he stands apart from the Old Covenant. And last week I showed you that in the, uh, when he's talking about the I am the resurrection and the life, he told them, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify of me. And what he's saying that is that the Scriptures that they were reading was not Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, because they had not yet been written yet. He was talking about the Old Covenant Scriptures, and he said, you read them and you search them because you think in them you have eternal life, but they are they which 
testify of me. And you won't come to me that you might believe and have life through me. But I am, I am the resurrection and the life. There's no other life outside of him. That He, he even tells you that, oh, I've, I've said this almost every time I've done a segment, that John 20 says, these things are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you would have life through his name. See, this is more than just a ticket to heaven. This is having life through his name right now, because eternal life doesn't just start when you go to heaven. It starts the moment you believe in Him and you're born again and you receive this life. Now, we're going to talk about the way, the truth, and the life in these next segments, and I promise you, you're going to be stretched a little bit. But those of you who follow our ministry knows that's kind of how we are a little bit. We dig into some of these things and we really dig around in them. But the backdrop of this story, before we get to John 14 where he makes those statements, is in John 13, and I won't read all of it, but it's the story of the night before his decease. And he's in an upper room, and he's saying to them, with great desire have I desired to eat this Passover with you. And when he begins to eat this Passover with them, I think what he's saying, with great desire have I desired to eat this Passover, is because he knows that this is the last time they will ever have to fulfill the old covenant type and shadow of the Passover meal because when he takes the bread and he blesses it and he breaks it and gives it to the disciples, he says to them, this is my body which is broken for you. And when he takes the cup of the new covenant, he said, this cup is my blood of the new covenant. In other words, he's saying, this is the end of that one. And I'm the beginning of this new one because I am the true Passover. You know, we read over that today passingly, and we don't really realize how powerful what he's saying really is there. We don't really realize that what he's saying uh, to them is, I don't know that it really dawns on them how powerful what he's saying really is here. Because he's saying to them, this is the last Passover you're going to have to celebrate because I'm the Passover lamb. And it's not an accident to me that after his resurrection, the disciples are on the road, I believe it is, to Emmaus. And Jesus appears to them on the road to Emmaus. And he begins to talk with them. And, and, he, and, and uh, he asked them, why is your countenance sad? Why are you in this condition you're in? And they look at him and said, are you only a stranger in Jerusalem? And do you not know the things that occurred here in the last three days and three nights? And I'm going to tell you, I believe Jesus was the only one who really knew what had occurred there in the last three days and three nights. That in the three days and three nights, that was His person, His work, and His redemptive work in bringing us through the death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Christ was three days and three nights was the work of His ministry. Now, the Bible said He began to walk with them, and He began to talk with them. And he, beginning with Moses, the Scripture says, began to show them all things concerning himself. And for seven miles he told them things from the law of Moses. See, this is the hermeneutic that I use in interpreting a lot of this. If Jesus could take the types and shadows of the Old Covenant that were only a shadow and he was the substance of, 
then surely you and I uh, can take these types and shadows and see the pictures of His redemption all through them. I think he probably began with Moses and said, do you remember when they took out a, a sheep from among the sheep and the goats? And they put the blood on the doorpost of the house and took the lamb inside the house. I was that lamb. Do you remember when I told Moses to build a tabernacle, and in that tabernacle was a brazen altar and a brazen laver and all of the symbols and all of the sacrificial stuff and all of the sacrificial animals, those were talking about me. Do you remember that mercy seat that Moses built? They were talking about me. And the Bible said that their heart burned within them. I mean, there's so many types and shadows that you could preach Christ from. And Jesus even said that to the scribes and Pharisees, you search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but they are they which testify about me. In other words, those pictures were pictures of the redemptive work of Christ. Because, uh, you know, and, and, and so you, you would think that when He you know, would start telling them, beginning at Moses, He began to talk with them thinking, hey, we took a lamb out from among the sheep and the goats. We put the blood on the doorpost of the house, and then we put the lamb inside the house. Jesus walked with them. I believe it was for about seven miles. This would have been the one message I would have liked to have heard Jesus preach, if I only could hear one, is this seven-mile walk that I call Heartburn Road. Because they said, did not our hearts burn within us? That's what I hope happens when I teach the Word on this program to you, is that you get the heartburn. You, your heart burns within you. But as they came to the end of that seven-mile walk, the Bible said that Jesus acted as, as if He would go on, and they compelled Him to come in. And when Jesus sat at meat with Him, the Bible said He took the bread, He blessed the bread, and He broke it and gave it to the disciples, and then their eyes were opened, and they knew it was the Lord. Why did they know it was the Lord? It's because a couple of days earlier is when this story in John 13 was occurring when He took the bread and said, This is my body which is broken for you, and this cup is the new covenant. This is the inauguration of a new one. This is the end of the old covenant. This is the end of what you thought was the way, the end of what you thought was the truth, and the end of what you thought was the life, because now I am the way. I am the truth, and I am the life. And if you take the blood of this Lamb and put it on the doorpost of your heart, and I take the Lamb inside the house, He said, I'll rebuke the death angel for your sake, because I'm going to pass through the land of Egypt, and I'm going to smite all the firstborn of Egypt. But when I see the blood, I will pass over you. It was another exodus that God was bringing these people to, and literally there was going to be another destruction on this city of Jerusalem in A.D. 70, but if they would have applied the blood of the Lamb, none of these judgments or plagues would have come nigh their dwelling. But what we do a lot of times is we mistakenly preach that the death of the Lamb what, that Jesus was the Lamb, and, and that's true, that's not mistaken, that's right there, Jesus was the Lamb, but we mistakenly preach that, that uh, uh, the Lamb said to the death angel, this house escapes. That's not completely true. What the blood on the doorpost said to the death angel is not that this house escapes, 
it said to the death angel, there has already been a death exacted here, that the death of the lamb was the death of the firstborn. See, Jesus didn't die so I don't have to. He died because I had to. And he didn't just die to give me a life, he died to give me a death to who I was in Adam so that I could come forth in the power of the resurrection that we talked about in the last four segments, that I can receive the newness of life, that I can make an exodus out of the world, out of bondage, out of slavery, and into my promised land called Christ that flows with milk and honey, and this life flows out, and God would bring us into the fullness of the promise. Now the backdrop here is there the night before his decease, and this is the final Passover. This is the last time they're ever going to have to kill a woolly lamb, because Jesus is truly the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And the story here is that he's with his brethren, and it is the night before his decease. And uh, Jesus is about to, uh, he's about to be crucified the next day. Let me just see where I need to jump in. I'll just start in verse 12. And so after he had washed their feet, and taken his garments, and was set down again, he said unto them, Know ye what I have done to you? You call me Master and Lord, and, and you say, Well, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. In other words, he's modeling to them that the kingdom works opposite of what man's kingdom does. That when you're the greatest, people serve you, but when you're the greatest in the kingdom, you serve others. And Jesus was literally the King of glory who would stoop down to wash their feet and to wash them. He said, For I have given you an example that you should do as I have done to you. Verily, verily, I say unto you, the servant is not greater than his Lord, neither he that is sent greater than he that sent him. If you know these things, happy are ye if you do them. I speak not of you all. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture, that the Scripture might be fulfilled. He that eats bread with me hath lifted up his heel against me. Now I tell you before it come, that when it is come to pass, that you may believe that I am he. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that receiveth Whomsoever I send receives me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. And when Jesus had thus said, he was troubled his spirit, testified, said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, that one of you will betray me. Then the disciples looked one on another, doubting of whom he spake. Now there was leaning on Jesus' bosom one of the disciples whom Jesus loved. Simon Peter therefore beckoned to him that he should ask him who it should be of whom he spake. And he then lying on Jesus' breast saith unto him, Lord, who is it? Jesus answered, He it is to whom I shall give a sop when I have dipped it. And when he had dipped the sop, he gave it to Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon. And after the sop, Satan entered into him. Then said Jesus unto him, That thou doest, do quickly. No man at the table knew what for intent he spake this unto him. For some of them thought, because Judas had the bag, that Jesus had said unto him, Why, by those things that we have need of against the feast, or that he should give something to the poor. He then, having received the sop, went immediately out, and it was night. Therefore, when he was going out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is be glorified in him, God shall also glorify him. Now let me skip on down here, because I want to uh, get down here just a little bit further. And, and just He talks about a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. But uh, verse number 36, And Simon Peter said, Lord, 
Whither goest thou? Jesus answered him, Whither I go, you cannot follow me now, but thou shalt follow me afterwards. Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I, I will lay down my life for your sake. And Jesus answered him, Verily, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily I say unto thee, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Now let me just set the stage for this. This is the night before his decease. And Jesus is about to be crucified the next morning. And he takes the bread the sop of the communion and the blood of this Passover lamb and the cup of the new covenant, and He gives it to everyone at this table. Now most of us realize that Judas is going to betray Him, but everybody at this table will leave Jesus before the night was over. And so even Peter was going to deny the Lord. But I want you to see this, because I think it's powerful. He lo I could see Him look Peter straight in the eye and say to him, Dude, where I'm going, you can't come right now. In other words, where Jesus was going was He was going to the cross, and He was going to lay down His life. He told Him, you're going to follow Me later, all right. In other words, Peter later would lay down his life for Jesus. But right now, Peter thinks he has the ability to stand with Jesus and lay down his life. And Jesus looks at him and says, Dude, before the night's over, you're going to deny Me three times. Before the rooster crows, you're going to deny Me three times. But I can see him then take this bread and say, but this is my body, it was broken for you. In other words, Jesus looks at us knowing many times we're going to fail and says, that's the reason I gave my life. That's the reason this body was broken for you. It was not just given and broken for you, it was given for Judas. It was given for all the others. But if you can just discern that and realize that under this, this, this 13th chapter of John, Jesus had not yet went to the cross. The Spirit of God had not yet been given. So these were men who were not full of the Holy Ghost yet. These are men under the law trying to do in human strength what would probably be impossible for them to do. And Jesus looks at Peter and says to him, will you lay down your life for me? I know you mean this, dude, but the truth of it is, I say to you that before the rooster will crow, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. And what we do with this is that we go follow the story, and we see where Jesus denies, or I'm, I'm sorry, not Jesus denies, Peter denies the Lord. And the moment he denies the Lord, three times on the third stroke, the rooster crows. Now what we usually do with this is we say, well, the rooster crowed to rat Peter out and say, see there, you worthless, no good for nothing failure. But see, if you've ever lived on a farm, what happens when a rooster crows is the first sign of daylight and the dawning of a new day. What I want to say to you is, you may have felt like a failure. You may have felt like you denied the Lord. You may feel like you blew it big time. But I want you to know that Jesus is saying, the rooster is about to crow for you, dude. The rooster is about to announce a new day in your life. Because yesterday, you didn't have the Holy Spirit living in you. But that's why I'm going to the cross to become the way, the truth, and the life, so that you can, through the work that I've done, you can, you can, you'll be able to do this, and you will follow me later. And what we normally do with this is we think that's the end of that chapter, and so there's a whole new story that begins the next one. But we need to realize 
that in the original texts, that the story doesn't stop at the end of John 13 with Peter's failure. It doesn't stop at the end of that. Let, let me just kind of read it like this. Let me just read it and, 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 and not divide the chapters and show you how this reads kind of in there in the line of it. The very last few words again of Jesus is, Peter said unto him, Lord, why can I not follow thee now? I will lay down my life for thy sake. And Jesus answered him, Will you lay down your life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto you, The cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me thrice. Let not your heart be troubled. That's John 14, 1. You believe in God, believe also in me. In other words, Pete, you're going to fail me, but don't let your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And I'm going to get into that a whole lot more probably in the next segment because we really haven't even got to where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life yet. But I really feel like I need to take my time in this and make an emphasis on this because I feel like there's probably somebody that's watching me. And you have sat under an old covenant paradigm that always points out your failures and your mistakes and your, your blunders. But Peter was to me such a powerful picture of how many times, even myself, I have failed miserably because I put my confidence in my own ability to do this. But I want you to know that even Jesus, knowing Peter was going to fail, said, this is my body, it was broken for you. In other words, you're going to fail me, but this will have you covered, Peter. You believe in God, believe also in me. The rooster's about to announce a new day that's not about performance, it's about supply. It's not about demand, it's about supply. I cannot help but think of the Scriptures in the book of Corinthians where he's talking about communion. And he says that, uh, you know, as often as you come together, Jesus told them, do this in remembrance of me. And in Corinthians, the Apostle Paul is telling them that when you come to these love feasts, he says, you know, he, that, that he took the bread and he begins to say to them that he that eats and drinks of the body and blood of the Lord unworthily eats and drinks damnation to his soul. Uh, but we, what we do with that is we disqualify people for coming to the table of the Lord and partaking of the communion. But see, Jesus said, except you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you don't have any life in you. So the truth of it is, Jesus gave communion to all these guys who failed him, that if you're looking at, at doing it worthy on your on the basis of how good you are, then what happens is, is you're going to always walk away saying, I'm disqualified. But see, the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ and the communion table is not about disqualifying you. It's about what Jesus did to qualify you. The only one at this table who did not discern the Lord's body was Judas. And Judas went and hanged himself when if he would have waited three hours, the hanging of Jesus would have been his hanging, and he would have deemed himself worthy to partake of the body and the bread of the Lord Jesus Christ, because except you eat his flesh and drink his blood, you don't have any life in you. So it's, you know, it's almost like going to a doctor and, the, and them saying to you, don't take this medicine or it's going to kill you. But if you take this medicine, it's going, to, it's going to cure you. So in other words, you're t telling the people to stay away from the very thing that's going to, that's going to produce the, the change in their lives. In other words, if you say, don't eat this bread or you're going to eat damnation to your soul, 
But the other scripture says, except you eat this and drink it, you don't have any life in you. So it's like an oxymoron to me. So what he's saying is, listen, you deem yourself unworthy, unworthily, you eat it unworthily because you don't realize that what this, you're not discerning the Lord's body. Because when you discern the Lord's body, what you're realizing, His death was my death, His blood was shed for me, this is my body, it was broken for you, let not your heart be troubled. You have failed, but yes, there is a rooster about to crow afresh in your life, and a new day is about to dawn for you. I don't care if you've been in the ministry. I don't care if you are just a person watching this program who's failed over and over and over again. I say to you, you need to belly up to the table and get as much bread and wine in your belly as you can, because you get bread and wine in your belly, and you start feeding on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and you're going to get up and say, I'm not deeding myself unworthily anymore. I am worthy, and I'm receiving His life, and I'm telling you, a rooster has crowed. A new day has dawned for me. I'm going to feed on what He did for me. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. Put your faith in my abilities to do this work in you, because you cannot do it on your own. But if you'll allow me to do it, and we're going to get into this in the next portion and show you how exactly the Holy Spirit coming in produces that change. You know, we used to say things like, man, you know what? Uh, it takes you forever to get filled with the Holy Spirit because they tell you, God don't dwell in no unclean vessel. But then we don't preach that when the Holy Spirit comes in, He will do, be the one that does the work. So it's like we try to keep people away again from the thing that causes the change by telling them you've got to be perfect to get it. Well, if you've got to be perfect to get the Holy Spirit, but when the Holy Spirit comes, He's the one that does the work in you, then to me, you're never. It's like you you're putting the 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 antidote for their problems out of their reach by disqualifying them. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ is not to disqualify you; it's to qualify you and to invite you to sit at His table and partake of the bed and the blood and the body of the Lord Jesus, and to do it and say, "Listen, that's what gave me the forgiveness of sin, and that's what's brought me." into this new life that I now live in. Now we're going to get into this and unpack more in this John 14 in just uh, uh, the next segment. So please make sure you tune in or set your DVR and watch us again. But let me say quickly before we run out of time that we do need your help in uh, taking the gospel around the world. It is not cheap to use television and all the mediums that we use both in travel and in television to take the gospel around the world. So if you'd like to be a part of something that's touching the world, we really encourage you to take a moment and go, first of all, to my website. At my website, there is a link there for giving. And you can give via credit card, debit card, or by PayPal. Now, uh, you can also set up while you're there a recurring monthly debit if you'd like to become a partner, or you can give a one-time gift. If you can't do that, you can also go there and you will see on the screen an address come up in just a few moments with our address on it. If you send a check or money order to Lynn House Ministries and put it to that P.O. box, we will receive that, and it will help us to take the gospel around the world. As you know, we don't spend a whole lot of time trying to raise money, but we do need your help to do this. So if you're being blessed by our ministry, sow back into it, and I believe God will bless you for it. Thank you for joining us this week to get on the program. The word repentance means to change your mind. The message of John the Baptist and of Jesus was to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is accessed by a change in our thinking. 
If you are in outer darkness, there is weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. That reality is not always out in the distant future. It is in people's lives right now. One simple mind shift can move you out of darkness and weeping and into light and rejoicing. God wants to wipe all tears from our eyes and replace our weeping with joy.